after breakfast What's before lunch? It's Austin, Texas It's Weird Brunch Speaking of skincare I guess two things. First, have y'all seen those TikToks where it's the um, eye firming stuff? No. Where it get, it like makes your eye the all the wrinkles go away. I bought it. Is it working? Yeah. Like I don't have that. So the one the 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 woman who what's um, it called? Oh God, it's can I? Oh, fuck, can I y'all forget. tell me what <laughs> we're talking okay, about? Okay, so on TikTok, I when am you do not it, I'm gonna look cool. it up. Well, I've only I don't know if I've been as inundated with it as you but there's this eye firming <laughs> cream <laughs> that felt like a read it's not i should have brought it because i do makeup stuff, stuff. Yeah. And, and yeah. that's what you go down and i don't it's something that like really i don't know if it drop while it dries on your skin it legit tightens the fuck out of your skin yeah and it doesn't last for a super long time but it will you can watch people's under eye bags people with like really severe under eye bags like move up it's like a muscle contracting almost. i'll try to find the tiktok and show That's it to you it's called it's peter thomas roth instant firm x temporary face tightening god um, get it together peter find an easier name i like but that. it does work and i don't have that bad under eyes mm-hmm. and then, until you put it on and then you're like wow i'm old i can't believe <laughs> i was living that way like i can't believe i allowed people to see me that way um, I saw something where they uh, they're testing like cells and and reverse age, you know. Yeah, all and the they stuff. found something where uh, it reversed the cells thirty years. Mm-hmm. I yes, saw that please. headline. So oh, I'm yeah. just gonna I'm gonna Watch show you. Bitches. It's a long video, so okay. if you want to scroll to the end to see the results, absolutely feel free to do so because it's. Um, amazing. I don't want to say hound dog eyes, but she well, you know, I think she had a like a fiber. Huh. Oh my god! Holy shit! Oh my god! That was loud. Oh I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It okay. scared me. <laughs> How jarring! It came out of nowhere. Yeah. Yes, this is like a different woman. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It looks. I should have brought it with me. I would have let yeah. use it. It's it works. Well, I feel for like, sure. Like I don't have crow's feet or bad bad bags no. yet, but. I would still want to see. Oh yeah, immediately. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> but isn't that fucking crazy? Like, That's it's insane. Like, I mean, I I yelled. Yeah, <laughs> quite literally. We'll have to turn it down. It at wasn't that point. even yes. that loud of a yell. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I've I've been talking. I found out a a friend of mine at work is she gets Botox. Nice. And I, I know was like. <laughs> And I was like, hey, where do you go? <laughs> what is this? Because I, I, I have always felt like, how do I even know I where I'm going? It's like trying to this. buy drugs. So yes. my friend, who I'm actually hanging out with tonight, will say her name is Laura. Um, <laughs> she has a friend who Which is, is her actual name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, she doesn't care. She probably doesn't listen either. So whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but she has a friend who is an esthetician who does Botox. And so she gets it at cost. And I asked her, I was like, give me her name. And she's like, okay. And she, she gave her name. And I'm still like, I don't know how to approach this person. So another one of me and my other, her and our other friend Caitlin's like resolutions for this year is when we hang out together, we need to be doing something, not just like sitting at someone's house or going out to dinner. Like we want to be proactive. So I'm going to make Laura take me on a Botox date. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to talk to her about it tonight and oh. we can go together so she can like, inter- and I'm fine with paying. Like I don't expect to get cost or anything like yeah. that. I just, I, if it's nice to have like a for like 
you know, yeah, middle ground kind of person. Because it, yeah, I feel weird like just calling up a place that my friend goes to and being like, oh, "Hi, Can I have botulism I in don't my face, please." Know what right. I want? <laughs> like, Can you tell me? Someone help! It is. It sounds like y'all are trying to meet up for the first time with a dealer yeah. so you have yeah. to go through your friends because everyone's doing something illicit in that level playing field. oh yeah but that's, this is all legal you just, what you're legal, doing though. yeah yeah but that makes it more intimidating somehow because i'm it's also doctory yeah and like and i don't know what to ask for how many times have we seen some kind of horror yes result it's true. yeah it's like true. we were raised to be like Look at how bad this is. But it's all sure. gotten better. Yeah. So much better. I, I also, so I don't know if I saw it on a TikTok. I, I absorbed some media that told this to me. But um, so when you get Botox, you're relaxing the muscles in your face, right? And so over time, if you keep getting Botox, those muscles stop getting worked. And so your face overall gets saggier. saggier and that then calls for having to get like a facelift. So I'm also, yeah, I want to ask about that. I've thought about getting a brow lift in the next four or five years because we both have hooded eyes like oh right yeah and um, I've noticed it since I've gotten more into makeup over the last couple of years I've noticed that like gravity is having an effect and I have less real estate and so if you get a brow lift it's not as invasive as like a facelift and it's just kind of like at the top of your forehead right kinda... and they just put some threads in your head yeah, and pull your face suck it back out. yeah hmm. I'm down that's for it that's what I want I want to be able to wear makeup and not have to like I mean, I still feel like face. we're all child brides and <laughs> aren't old enough to be doing this yet. No, this but is when I you realize have to do that it. it is it's preventative. Uh huh. Sure. I, especially with like until skincare. your face I never cared about skincare until the last couple of years. I did have a because I was having you. You let me use that skin the uh-huh. vitamin C stuff that you gave me, which is great. But I did have so like a week and a half ago, I had a small mental breakdown where I cried for like four hours. Small. Then the next day, my skin looked great mm-hmm. and i'm wondering if maybe that <laughs> tears yeah like i looked like just fuller in the face from the swelling <laughs> but See, my eyes my had gone eyes down look horrible my after, eyes have gone like down any tears the next day i look my skin looked really good i just like let myself you know where you're just like there's I no mean, stopping you I just think, gotta let it go i think emotions are holding something in or whatever That's i think that point. affects your your face and skin yeah. true it's true I know when people, uh, like, there's certain people that when they hit a point of, like, drunkness mm-hmm. or feelingsness, yeah. it's like, oh, wow, you're a different person. Like, how did your face do that? Yeah. Oh, we have eyes. Oh, like, yeah. Our, I can never hide when I'm hammered because it comes out in my eyes. Yeah. Agreed. Mm. <sighs> mm. We've got that. We've got that. True. I, did you, I also saw a TikTok of this woman who got bangs, which, like, you know, good for you. But while the, the hairstylist was cutting her bangs, she kept looking in the mirror, the person getting her cut, and la- raising her eyebrows up. Oh, no. She had her, and so she had her unrelaxed face on the entire mm-hmm. time. So when she looked, the, it was like a full, like, oh, no. it went to like a micro bang almost. Oh, it's no. so funny. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Oh, that makes me feel sad for her. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. hair grows. She, she yeah. seems okay. Like, you know. A bad haircut can really right. ruin your day. Or week, I need or to month. read that article about the reversing the cell, whatever. Mm-hmm. 30 years or. Yeah, it was 30 years. I was going to talk about it today, but then it 
it's very short but uh right. yeah they discovered that some of the cells were reversed to 30 years i forgot what and they didn't really say what they right. were putting into uh the cells but it was something about dna and blah, 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 yeah. but uh they yeah they found some of the cells from the donors the donors were women that were 38 52 and like 48 or something mm-hmm. or maybe 62 and 58 and they all of this cells in each like sample they found a couple that were up to 30 years younger wow and so the idea is if this became accessible to all of us when we are 66 we could all look 36 hello nurse yeah i'm into Uh, that i am too uh the only thing was that it i think it like interacted somehow with uh cells that can be cancerous Oh. And so right now they're like, well, yeah, but cause, whatever. Right? I know, but like if I'm old, <laughs> yeah, you're I'm like, I something? could look 30 years younger. I'm here for a hot day. Or give me time. cancer. Yeah. yeah. Like, I do I want to look 30 years younger now. or live 30 more years? <laughs> so we're definitely at the beak I'll point take in our life now where we would want because like I this. just really want to look like a five year old. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought about that, too. I'm like, so did the 38 year old. What? What? How does that work? She look eight now? It's just your skin. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how that. I don't. I. What if it did? Science. What I, if it was like a Benjamin Button situation? Oh, God. Well, uh, would that also lend credence to the fact that that same research could extend like lives? I think so. Yeah. Because I like how we go, oh, I don't care about living forever. I just want right. to look young for another 30 years. As long years. as I look hot, I don't oh. care. Well, every now and then I get hit with that we die moment. Yeah. And. I have 100% in some of my mental breakdowns, less crying, more, how do I not die? Yeah. And yeah, when I was reading that last night, it was like, oh, this could be a way. This could be a way to live. I'm going to call up Dr. Scientist right now and get in this trial. Yes. Mm -hmm. I don't care. Let's go. Yeah. Fuck it. Because then if I get cancer by the time that happens, then we'll have the the uh, science to like reverse right. that. Yeah. Well, can you reverse the age of cancer? So that's what I'm thinking. We have to invest everything. In I feel like we're we're uh, take my money. Like Here it is. how they developed McDonald's or something like. Yeah. And then. Yeah. And it'll, yeah, probably result in, like, super cancer yeah. or something horrible. Yeah, but not like until that. you're, like, old. So it's like, whatever. Like, ew. I don't want to. I know I won't want to live then. No. I'll embrace That death. would suck to, like, extend your life just to have. For the last five years. More just cancer. Mm-hmm. It's just, I mean, that's when you do the die with dignity kind of shit, right? Yeah, but you did it to yourself. Yeah, we all did it to ourselves, I'll kill right? you. Oh, thanks, what? I'll kill you. I'll, I'll do it right you. now. You don't have to pay me. I told Haley that I was going to dedicate a bench to her mm-hmm. <laughs> that said she no longer lives laugh loves but um benches are actually really, really expensive, expensive. Mm-hmm. you said and like just a brick was like 200 yeah, a bucks? brick with just a name on it is 250 if you dedicate my memory to a brick for 200 dollars you better do you think please edit I that can out press <laughs> Press your ashes <laughs> into a brick, like by hand. No, I don't no, think you I'm have not to get strength do it for that. Hands. It would be fucked up looking if I tried to do it. I mean, it. they put they put like dogs into little like crystals and shit. concrete. Yeah. yeah, like I don't want to do that. You're no, more of a brick I remember to when me. when Dad died. Do you remember when Dad died? 
I still got his ashes. Okay, I just want to make bring sure. him out. Much like that. Take a look at him. We I also forget. remember. <laughs> we all. We it's all do. Pretty fresh. It was pretty impactful. <laughs> um, when Dad died, and we were at the funeral home, and we were going through everything you have to go through to you know <laughs> deal with it. The they brought in the little pamphlet that had all of the um the jewelry tchotchkes the, you can make you your can get, <laughs> your fucking and me and loved ones into think, and it was us and our aunts and, and we all kind of looked at each other like oh no no <laughs> no 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 we will not be doing this you can take that off the table right now yeah. also all of us were kind of hammered i feel like yeah I we was were very hammered. we went and got cocktails before yeah yeah it was weird <laughs> your ashes on a grain of salt yeah I put my wrong home address down <laughs> when I first wrote it. <laughs> I was like, oh, wait, I'm sorry. That's supposed to be a six, not a seven. They seemed annoyed with us, but I, I would be annoyed with us, too. They're like, so we see that your your loved one died <laughs> from drinking himself to death. And we're like, yep, that's weird. He sure did. He, that's, we didn't see that one coming at all. So guess whose fault this that's is? It. Yep. Ugh. What a time. Mm -hmm. I feel like Drunk in the Funeral Home has to be some punk song from the early 2000s. Oh, yeah, some Dropkick sure. Murphy shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wonder if they breathalyze people. At, like, that would have been a fun one to breath. Like, in remembrance of Dad, who had a breathalyzer in his, his car. car. We'd like each one of you to blow and record your... We're not yeah. kicking anybody out. I'm just curious. Put it in the guest book. How many of you are over <laughs> the legal limit currently? Well, and if they weren't, then they were after, because oh, we immediately went to definitely the after. bar. <laughs> yeah. Definitely Which is a strange... After. Now, like, in reflection, in my own sobriety, being like... Wow, I we were really set up to fail on this shit when it comes to drinking. Okay, gonna... we should get it on the road though. So who wants to go first? You didn't introduce the show. Yeah, yeah. nobody knows what the hell God they're listening to. Right? Somebody's now. tuning this for the first time. I mean, that's a they, real possibility, yeah. considering the guy who is the great grandson of the oh, Elmer yeah. McCurdy's um, Undertaker, which is kind of wild. Did you respond to, us. to him? I haven't. I don't what know what say? to say. And it wasn't the pod, it was your TikTok. Well, someone sent him our TikTok and he reached out to us on Instagram. He reached out to you directly, right? No, not me personally. Oh, I he thought sent that was it to our no account. no no. He sent it to our Weird Brunch account. And he you know, I think he just was thought that we were another podcast that he had been interviewed on. I don't know. I don't know if I'm gonna respond to it. Part of me wants to just never respond to anybody. I'm in like an air of mystery around no, the pod. No, in a like, no thanks kind of way. I'll reply place. to him. I'll okay. log in. Okay. You're welcome You're to. You're welcome to. But I you have care. to continue. No, I'm just kidding. You have to post a TikTok. You're the oh, only person I also, to I yet. figured out what I'm going to do with our weird brunch TikTok for my own brand. Cool. What? Hashtag brand. Just talk about all of the things that blow my mind. Like yeah. Yeah. very, because that's many times on this podcast have I been like, I'm sorry, what? Mm-hmm. Uh, completely unrelated to the actual story, mm -hmm. but part of. Like the other day, someone told me that it's not illegal to pick blue bonnets. Yeah, that's a lie. I know. That we were told that I learned that two days ago. Oh, but are you going to go am, out and pick a blue bonnet? No. I bet you I might. I'm not. The I'm not guilt, doing it. I, just thinking about picking a blue bonnet gives me so much anxiety. Why were we taught that? 
Because you're not supposed to fuck with wildflower areas. There is yeah. something about that. Yeah, but like if there's a bunch of like baby diapers on the side of the road and a bunch of cigarette butts, I feel like that's a safe place to be like, that one can come with me. Sure. Saving it from this environment. Side yeah. of the highway. You will die, but you will die in comfort. I will say if I ever have kids or like children that are around that I can pass information on to, I will still tell them that blue bonnets are illegal to pick. That's it. I mean, I just, just lying to children is yeah, kind of the way to go true. in a general way. That's true. Yeah. But then they grow up and then they're 36 and then they're like, yeah, and it's funny. And then they what? get, and then on their comedy podcast, they can tell a fun story. It's okay. Whoa. Whoa. Haley just made a perfect sound argument in favor of lying to children. I can probably come up with some more if you really want me to. <laughs> Do <That's>, it. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Weird Brunch. <laughs> come on down. Come on down. I'm Whitney Lamond. I'm Haley Lamond. I'm Lisa Friedrich. <laughs> you just gotta. Anyways, who wants to go first this time? I can. Ooh, Lisa, go first. I, Okay. so i want to talk about this guy who basically just walked around for years kissing ass and collecting people's names okay kissing ass taking names. a little bit of kissing ass got it um and yes taking names so there's this 100 year old leather bound album for sale and it has sixty thousand signatures of the rich and famous of the past okay Oh, spooky. A hundred years ago, Joseph F. Okay, here's (laughs) here's what's going to happen, because this is going to this is the man's name. And I'm I'm speaking of him all the whole time. So it's Mikulik. But I'm probably saying it wrong. Like, it's probably one of those where, like, it has some bizarro extra vowels that aren't in there. But Mikulik. Mikulik. Old Mickey. Old Mickey. So a uh, hundred years ago, he walked from Dayton, Ohio to Calgary in Canada, wow. which is some 2,000 really miles. really wanted to get out of Ohio, huh? Yeah, he's a walker. Yep. He's a walker. So three weeks into this journey, he stops in St. Louis, Missouri to give a talk on his travels over the last 14 years. He was referred to as a lot of things. One of them was hyperpedestrian. I'll get to more later. That sounds like an insults hyper pedestrian like you are hyper pedestrian yeah oh i think it sounds like being like super vegan or something it's like oh. i'm hyper pedestrian it doesn't sound like a term from the 1920s yeah. sure. it sounds like a today term yeah for sure. like download this app hyper pedestrian yeah. he was croatian and at that point when he took off from dayton to calgary at that point he had walked over 1,000 miles, or I'm sorry, 100,000 miles. He had gone through 26 countries, and he had 50,000 signatures in a 60-pound album. One of the reports uh, of this speech that he did in Missouri, they talk about what's in this book, and it's mighty potentates. 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 Mm-hmm learn something every day baby and renowned athletes great artists and fascinating and wise men of far countries most of the interesting people have written their name in this book i most of the most of the interesting ones i know it's Mm -hmm. a little bougie 
This guy had touched toes on six continents. He's known as the Globetrotter. I believe the original. Ooh. Um, basketball? Mm-hmm. I, yes. In 1922, this was the height of his popularity. Uh, they featured the album in a Pathé newsreel. Okay. For a full minute, which is a very long time for a book. Before that, Mikulek had been the subject of hundreds, maybe thousands of newspaper stories as he was securing uh, meetings with powerful people worldwide. In 1929, this is going to jump around a little bit. 1929, Mikulik and the album vanish from the public. Oh, no. What? But why? Weird. Tell us more. Weird. Yeah. It's weird. In 2021, the book and manuscript dealer Nathan Rabb uh, it, he purchases the album with other with another book that's thinner from a local Philadelphia family, and that's kind of the next time it's heard of. How many years later? Like a hundred. Yeah, twenty twenty one. So I mean, they find out where it went, but like at this point in twenty twenty one, this this guy Nathan Rab, he is like, what is this? This is fascinating. Yeah. He had no idea about Mikulik, uh, but he was like, this is this has news clippings from all over the place. It's got 20 different languages of, of newspapers, official seals, stamps, notes, photographs, and autographs, like all over this thing. And he was like, he was like, well, who who was? This? Yeah, <laughs> who, right. Who hath done this? Who yeah, did this? who had the, uh, the ability to have access to this information? Yeah, and at he, that time? yeah, and there's not really uh, in 2021, not much to know like biographically about Mikulik. So Nathan Rabb does a lot of researching and because there were so many, you know, reports on him and newspaper articles, like he was able to trace those back and kind of make this story or figure this out. So Mikulik was born on January 15th, 1878 in Croatia to a family of poor farmers he leaves home in 1901, so that makes him 23. He goes to Italy, Malta, then South Africa, then South America, where he has they, he tells stories of a snake biting him in Argentina, and then he gets lost in Brazil, and he had to live off of wild fruit to survive. Mm, getting high. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In 1908, he arrives in America. This is his first trek across America, and there's early accounts of him being jovial, an eccentric hiker. He was, this was a quote from Pennsylvania Daily. He was attired in a sweater of purple and bright yellow and wearing heavy brown leggings. The pedestrian attracted considerable attention when he arrived in town. He was also a teetotaler, a vegetarian. He played the bugle. This guy is like the the, the guy in college. Bugle. The the yeah. guy in college yes. that's like, look at my recumbent bike. Right. <laughs> Yeah, he played the bugle. He carried the album in a knapsack. They think he had many, like, starters, so, like, smaller ones when he was traveling that he then either bound into this larger one or filled, like, tore those pages out and put it in a bigger one. I don't same thing, kind of. But Mikulik told uh, anyone who would listen about this Croatian publishing company that had offered him thousands of dollars if he could walk 25,000 miles in five years and write a memoir. Hmm. So that was 
his reasoning and it made folks kind of refer to this as a stunt or a wager like yeah. mm-hmm. around the world in five, five years, years on days. Foot. not even well, around the world it's only twenty four thousand miles around the world in 80 days yeah uh so it's only twenty five thousand miles the earth is the circumference of the earth is larger than twenty five thousand miles how much is it if you know the I'm circumference gonna say, of the earth i'm gonna I'll kill guess. myself i'll guess i'm gonna say 125 125 what thousand what 125 thousand miles around okay <laughs> i've no oh idea. you wrong how much is it it's 24,901 like, miles so it is around it's basically 25 Wait, then why do i think miles. it's so much bigger so it's around the world in five yeah miles. okay well or in five years i retract my original statement and admit that but what I'm a cool thing now I don't we all learn okay but also how many eiffel towers is that real quick Mm-mm. i can't figure that out okay. for you currently. really got to get you know that, that the eiffel up? tower got six meters taller recently <gasps> really uh-huh. good for her i know i'm not explaining it <laughs> i don't want you don't to. part of the stunt or wager with the croatian publishing company was that he could not beg or accept charity and he had to support himself and this is his reporting this he had to support himself uh, by selling postcards with his face on them. Okay. So he was, He's it's a marketing, yeah, it's like a marketing <sighs> ploy of like, hey, read this memoir later, right. yeah. but buy this you postcard know, now. It's kind smart. of interesting. If I had talked to him, I would be like, I want to see if I'm in this book when it eventually comes out. So I'm yeah. going to keep this card. Well, and he's also collecting autographs from like almost right. everyone. Right. Not just the rich and famous, but like also people, people he talked to. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Also people. Yeah. Also people. Also Regular humans. People. Also like, so then the question is, well, if I'm going to sign this, how am I going to sign it to stand out against mm. other people's signatures? Yeah. Doing yeah. a big old Thomas Am I going to do my actual signature? Or am I going to be like, I'm going to put a little you happy mean face John at the Hancock. end of the Yeah. John Hancock. Yeah. Who'd you say? Thomas, Thomas Jefferson. Jefferson. He was Either also way, bougie. You know. Yeah. Uh, 1908 to 1911 was his American trek. So, and it was so well reported that you can track it on a map. And I have a little map, but the people listening can't see it. You can Google it. Yeah. Google it. He, the stats were updated with every one of these reports. So it was like, how many languages does he speak? How many shoes uh, had he gone through? How many pounds had he lost? Mm-hmm. Like this was updated. So he was learning, I'm assuming some languages within America, why else would they be updating that? Mm-hmm. So maybe some like native languages. I, I'm not sure what else he would really learn that he hadn't already, but whatever. He was also another word uh, that he was, or another pseudonym that they dubbed him was earth traveler. I like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the media focused on his around the world attempts, not necessarily the autographs that were in these books. So while he's in America, he ends up getting President William Howard Taft, Colonel Theodore Roosevelt, 48 governors. So that's every state. Yeah. Yeah. And then he set sail from California to Australia in 1911. Rab's research indicates that Mekulik spent the next three years through New Zealand, the Philippines, Japan, China, Singapore, Burma, India, Egypt, the Ottoman Empire, England, France, Germany, Denmark, Bohemia, Italy, Spain, and Portugal. That's a lot. That's everywhere. Yeah. 
and he was collecting signatures of diplomats and dignitaries along the way. In January 1914, Mikulik returns to New York, and it's unclear at that point whether he had been paid by this publishing company or if that was... Because again, he's eccentric. Is that something to just tell this guy to like fuck off? Maybe. Maybe. But it also may have been like that's how he's selling the postcards and making money and Mm -hmm. like who knows. Uh, So then in 1914, when he returns, he launches a second tour where he is uh, making the autographs his main attraction. So he would do presentations um, and the postcards. He was also selling postcards, but he it was based on the places he had gone and Mm -hmm. and more of the like autographs and stories so he this is another quote from rab he seemed to have a flair for publicity wherever he went whatever town he went into he would announce his presence and i think it had the additional benefit that people read the articles and wanted their name in the book Mm -hmm. it or he could use the articles as proof that there was a legitimate that he was legitimate and get audiences with people so World War One pops up. This interrupts his his tour, obviously, and he is a naturalized citizen by then. He stays in the U.S. because he is older at that point, but mostly on the East Coast. Reporters tracked his movements, but it, at least one of them, and this is kind of where this break starts happening, but at least one of them had kind of, he was over him. So the quote from that guy is, the war has halted the efforts of Joseph Frank Mikulik for so much thanks. <laughs> At least Mr. Mikulik will not get to Lancaster and pester us for free advertising about his remarkable but foolish performances. <laughs> Bitch. Wow. It seems pretty harmless what he's doing. I Why is he? Know. He's just somebody with a hyperfixation and well, a lot of determination. Yeah, yeah. Lancaster is over it. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm over Lancaster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 1918, the war ends. Uh, the Globetrotter is back on the road. He goes from the U.S. to Canada to Europe. And he's increasingly intent on filling this autograph book. So we've. my assumption there is there's some... Like, this is my life. Right. Yeah. And also, what's like the end goal? So, obviously, over time, there's different people who become famous or dignitaries, or is it just, it's never ending? Or is he like, X amount of signatures is enough? He's an earth traveler, man. He did, from my understanding, there was no like, this is my goal, a number of whatever, or like this level of people. So, He dropped it off when he was in Europe. He drops it off at 10 Downing Street, where Lord Curzon signed it, and Buckingham Palace, where George V did not. Rude. That said, the the immediate successors of George V were Edward VIII and George VI, and they did sign it. So you can find their signatures. In 1921, French authorities arrest him when he entered the American embassy lugging a suspicious package, his book, just days after an assassination attempt on the ambassador the traveler appeared quote unkempt and bore quote all the earmarks of an anarchist okay i mean he is kind of yeah 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 it could be that so then he returns to america in 1921 to 22 there's news coverage and it's becoming more retrospective he's older again and they're like he the completion of the 20-year journey with 175,000 miles. He uh, they indicated that he was returning or retiring in the Midwest. Of course. The dream. Well, if you've seen everywhere in the world and you want to see the opposite of 
everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Go back to Ohio. Yeah. Like if it was a Dakota, I'd yeah. be like, that's beautiful. Montana. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Where everyone wants to be. Yeah. But the Midwest just sounds like Madison. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but this was all more or less false because he still wandered around and then uh, again it's the 20s so he goes out to Hollywood and starts getting like famous people and like movie stars autographs they also at this point were if you look at photos from this time he appears fit but like tired they refer to the book as a cumbersome as cumbersome as a tree stump and then he told the New York Times in 1923 I'm tired I've carried this book all around the world by push cart by rickshaw by pack mule, by rail, and by ship, but mostly on my back. I feel that I won't be able to carry it much further, and I want to sell it. He wanted... I think I'll go home now. Yeah, I mean, like that's literally very, very, yeah. Forrest Gumpian. Yes. Gu- it's, a, it's a Gumpian it's tale. A Gumpian. Yeah. Uh, God. Now I need to know if that's a thing. It's got to be, it right? It will be mm-hmm. in 10 years. Yeah. He wanted $1 million for it, but he would settle for 10000 And he started... You know okay. That's some bargaining mm-hmm. right there. <laughs> 1923. Yeah. He started working with ASW Rosenbach, who was the foremost rare book dealer at the time. And they, Rosenbach thought like, oh, I think I got this railroad magnate, Henry E. Huntington, who's going to buy it. That didn't, that didn't happen. And so then at that point, Mickey looks like, I'm done with this. And so he found his own buyer, a wealthy Philadelphian named Samuel Robinson. I went to school with a Samuel Robinson. He was an Irish immigrant and he co-founded American Stores Company, which became Acme Markets. So rich yeah very rich and there's a handwritten receipt on may 18th 1924 for 2500 dollars, which is 41,000 today he then began compiling a second book uh likely the smaller of the two that rab has now uh he kept writing to robinson sending him letters from brazil in 1925 and his hometown of kralievo cello I believe okay. you. That sounds sure. Thank you. Yeah. It's my Czech blood. Yeah, that's what it is. It's not uh, the American education system. Yeah. yeah. And then in 1929, Robinson turned down the opportunity to buy the second volume when Robinson's great nephew, who wishes to remain anonymous, contacts Rab last year. He had two volumes. He had both volumes to offer. So even though he turned it down, the assumption there is that Mikulik got it to him post-mortem. Mikulik was quite the character, says Rab, uh, and they've got, he told a few tall tales or was merely misunderstood. There's information about him that's, you know, it's difficult to figure out what's real and what's not. The New York Times published a photo of him in Berlin in 1927 with an autograph book, and in 1929 he was photographed with a mammoth book and its traveling pram outside the White House where he'd procured the signature of President Herbert Hoover's personal secretary. (laughs) Nice. So just right next to it. Uh One of the last articles available from 1929 is the one that mentions that Mikulik had been offered $50,000 for his 56-pound log from a widely known Philadelphian. So... We, there was a receipt for twenty five hundred, mm-hmm. but then there's this report that it was fifty thousand, and then after that report, he falls off the map. So, hmm. I I think he probably wouldn't fall off the map for twenty five hundred, but he might for 
for that retirement yeah. chunk. Yeah. Um, and then he might be they don't really know where he goes at that point. He might have been Joseph Mikulik living in Chicago in 1940 per the U.S. Census, but it's impossible to confirm that. No obituaries have surfaced. The memoir that he promised never appeared, and his uh, extra illustrated autograph albums remain. So, hmm. I'm trying to find a picture of him. Yeah. You got to wonder if he was like when he passed away, was he just wandering around somewhere and they just assumed he was like homeless, homeless. Yeah. or yeah. something like that. I I mean, you'd think also that he probably carried an ID and had his passport with him all the time if he's country hopping. In the 20s? I don't know. I Could don't know you get a works. passport in a passport 1901? Did they even left? need them? Probably not. No, I have no idea. Well, you know, if we're thinking about people immigrating in all of the movies on Ellis Island, you like show papers and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your birth certificate and stuff. Yeah. But birth certificates. We also, I mean, mm-hmm. but like, what are you, I mean, I had that story last week about the woman who just had a piece of paper that said she was the heir to oh, $15,000. Yeah. People just believed yeah. her. Passports so. were ish started getting issued in the 1920s. Okay. Okay. So he did a lot of travel before. Yeah. yeah. That. Well. Can you imagine? No, I can't. That scares me. And why, like... What if I... I Like, he could just go do That's crime also like a, Also, the... the, the in, I would... That feels inherently dangerous to me as maybe as a woman. Yeah, a woman. Yeah. yeah. Like it's just like a white guy walking around going different places. Yeah. I also feel like shit was a little bit safer in no. general because the population was smaller. I think I don't know about people safer. were also way more open to being talked to by a stranger. Because mm-hmm. there wasn't accommodating to strangers. And there wasn't. Sure. Yeah. So... Mm. Also, it's more novel. So if you're in a country that, like, you go to Brazil, not a lot of people from Mm-mm. the U.S. or other Right. So European I'm sure they're just like, oh, he's oh, entertaining. Interesting. Yeah. Or, you know. Oh, this isn't a colonizer. Cool. Right. There's only one of them. What can, how much damage yeah. can one of them do? Well, you yeah, never yeah, well. know. <laughs> a lot. Yeah. So yeah. He, it was just one book that kept getting bigger. Well, and then he started no. a second one. He, they think he had a couple of them, yeah. and then bound them in that large like one. Bang. But then he would take the large one with him on that second like mm-hmm. tour where he was giving presentations, right? Mm-hmm. And it's too big to lug around. Mm-hmm. He had I it wanna, in a pram. How was it? Was it like classified? Was it just like a long list of signatures, or was he like this? This section of pages is for famous people, and then this section of pages are people from. Brazil or like that's what I want to know or is the it just picture, a big list I think it's by region or wherever yeah. he is the, the how do you spell his last name you can't tell by the way she pronounced yeah. it I typed in Mikulik M-I-K-U-L-E-C but in there's some photos of the um of the book mm-hmm. and there's you know newspaper clippings together it's hard to really tell where they're from because it's a small photo and then he's got like two pages of stamps along with the like embassy signatures mm-hmm. and autographs. So it seems like it's fairly organized by region, but then it it's also a little bit chaotic. Yeah. Well, 
Who's next? You go. Okay, I'll go because mine is about somebody who, I don't know, kind of disappears as well. So this is from a blog I found called Lost and Found. Lost the letter in foundblogs.com. Cute. Cute. Adorable. And this is the story of David Glenn Lewis. Our guy David that's is the born. most boring name I've ever. He's, that's my accountant's name. Yeah. David Glenn Lewis, <laughs> right? So David Glenn is born in December 1953 in Borger, Texas. He graduates from Texas Tech in 1979. He becomes a lawyer a, and has his doctorate of jurisprudence, right. which mm. sounds fancy. But he practices law for a little bit. He's elected a judge in Moore County, Texas from 1986 to 1990. Where is that? Yeah. Who, who, what's in Moore? Close to Amarillo, okay. I'm guessing, because okay. he doesn't win his re-election. And so he just goes back to practicing law in Amarillo, which makes me think that's where Moore County is. If it's not, sorry, I don't care to Google it. So him and his wife are hanging out. His wife's name is Karen. <laughs> she seems okay, though. You know, yeah. whatever. Show, um, show, me, show me your haircut. Yeah, I, I, we'll, we'll look it up. We'll, we'll, look, we'll it look it up. So they have a nine-year-old daughter. Her name's Lauren. They're active in their church. He's also teaching night classes at Amarillo College nearby. And We're thinking like 80s, 90s at this, this point? This is in the early 90s. Okay. And so they're upstanding citizens. The last weekend in January 1993 is Super Bowl weekend. Woo! Super Bowl 27. Dallas Cowboys versus the Buffalo Bills back in the heyday of America's team. Go Cowboys. I don't have an opinion. David is extremely excited about the game. Obviously, being a dude from Texas at the time, Cowboys Nation, whatever. Yeah, but there's also the Oilers. He was time. a huge What's Cowboys it? fan. Well, Amarillo's closer to Dallas than that's it is fair, to Houston. That's fair, but yeah, Texans were not yet a whisper. No. Okay. No, no. His wife and daughter are like, yeah, that's great, whatever. We want to fly to Dallas for the weekend. We need to do some shopping, and we're going to have a little girls weekend. Mm -hmm. He's like, that's fine with me. I want to watch Super Bowl. I and will have allow them. it. Ladies. Yeah, get out of the that dude weekend. Yeah. Everyone's getting what they want out of that situation. Yeah, that's there's fantastic. a gallery. Yeah. There's a oh my god, there a flight a to Dallas is probably what oh a case god. of beer. Yeah, <laughs> like do you yes. give it directly to the pilot? Yeah, six Lone Stars. Right, perfect. They go off for their trip, party, and when they come back on Sunday night, David's not at the house. The TV was on. There was a VCR recording the Super Bowl and his wedding ring and watch are on the kitchen counter. The dryer was on and had and there were two freshly made turkey sandwiches in the refrigerator. The only one thing for missing, now, one for later. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The only thing missing is David and Karen is like. I'm sure, he, you know, like he might have gone somewhere else to watch the game. Like he's recording it here, but he went to a buddy's house and or the, maybe he had to go back to work because he was a lawyer. Yeah. Maybe there's some pressing issue. A law emergency. Um, you know how lawyers emergency. will 
and it would have everything just all the time. happened because mm-hmm. if he had a, a, a load in the dryer, it's yeah. like 45 minutes. Yeah. So load in the dryer. For, it's about 45 minutes. Right? TV, the VCR is yeah. still recording the game. Sandwiches ready to go. fucking sandwiches. God. I'm right? smelling the P. Terry's too. And I'm um, so Karen is a little concerned, but not freaking out. And it is the early night. It's 1993. So she doesn't have a cell phone yet. And I don't even know if people were really doing beepers back then, but you could have left a note. I lived in Amarillo at this time in 1993. Oh yeah. I guess CJ would have been there too. Right. Yeah. He was there his whole life. He was there. I was there one year. (laughs) Just out in Amarillo rat tailing it. So man, Karen's (laughs) like, I'm sure it's fine. But the next morning, she gets a call from the law office and they're like, he missed his first two appointments and we haven't seen him. And she's like, "Okay, now I'm worried. So she calls Amarillo Police Department and reports David is missing. And the police are like, "Okay, let's start looking for Mr. David Glenn Lewis. And they're interviewing friends, colleagues. And this is what happened in the days leading up to him vanishing. So the 28th, which was that Thursday, was when Karen and daughter go to Dallas for their, like, girls weekend. Girls mm-hmm. weekend. And David goes to work that day. He leaves the law firm telling his coworkers, like, I'm not feeling so hot. I'm going to go home early. But then later that night, he did go get gas and he taught one of the classes that he was teaching at the Amarillo College on the side. So he teaches his night class and he gets gas. People see him. Mm -hmm. Class ends around 10 p.m. on January 29th. That's the Friday. The next day, a friend from church reports seeing David hurrying through the Southwest Airlines terminal at the Amarillo airport and he didn't have any luggage. Okay. January 30th, Saturday, the next day, it's said to be the last day David was verified to have been seen, but unclear who had seen him. So somebody said yes, but they don't have, they don't know who someone deposited $5,000 into the couple's joint bank account that day. And neighbors reported seeing his red Explorer parked at his house. All right. So then it's Super Bowl Sunday, the 31st. Nobody sees David. No confirmed sightings. It's thought that whoever taped the Super Bowl, presumably David, would have had to be there to start the recording. They didn't have one of those fancy VS VCRs no at the time that didn't have a timer on it. Mm-hmm. So someone would have had to start the VCR manually. And based on the tape, they think that that started at 5.15 p.m. that night. On February 1st, after obviously those first two appointments were missed, they then were all caught up, right? Mm-hmm. February 2nd, police find David Lewis's Red Explorer in the front of the county court's building. And inside it are his car keys and house keys under his floor mat and his checkbook, credit cards, and driver's license all in his car. Which back then, in it says it was customary for him. Like, you know, you just left shit in your car. Yeah. Like, leaving your, no one's going to take your shit, right? 
So police discover while they're investigating more into the disappearance that two plane tickets were purchased under the name David Lewis at the time he went missing. The first was purchased on January 31st, Super Bowl Sunday, and that was from Dallas to Amarillo. The second ticket was purchased on February 1st, the day he was reported missing, and was from L.A. to Dallas with a stopover in Amarillo. Oh, is he um, flight skipping? You can get cheaper know, flights right? that way. Mm-hmm. I've heard about it. So back in 1993, though, you didn't have to show your ID to buy a ticket or to get onto an airplane. So Halcyon days. they don't even know if those tickets were if it was David or if the tickets were ever even used. Because they don't have like a passenger yeah, manifest no or anything. Nothing. They're okay. just like, get on a plane, do whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't care. Nothing, nothing at bad all could, happen. could ever happen yes. with this. Mm-hmm. Never. No. So David's family is like, he would never leave us. He's too devoted. There has to be some other reason. And Karen mentioned that David had told her that he had gotten death threats when he was a judge, 1986 to 1990. He had also recently told his wife that his life was in danger, but he didn't give her any details. Like if someone said, like if John said my life is in danger, I'd probably press him on the issue. No, it's not my business. You know, you, you do you got it. Got it. So David was also supposed to fly to Dallas the next week for a deposition. He was like one of the firms that he had worked at was getting sued for conflict of interest for $3 million and he had to testify. But the wife said, or Karen said after, or it wasn't like a big, huge, scary deal. Like no one would go after him for this. Like this was corporate stuff. This is just shit that happens sometimes. Yeah. What kind of law did he practice? Did we go over that at all? No. Like he wasn't like a criminal defense attorney mm. or specialized. I don't in think so. I have. I. I can't. I can't speak to that, Haley. Okay. I'm sorry. So are you becoming someone from Amarillo? I am this? slowly. Okay. Um, We're from Austin. We do not have. That so, sense. Karen also said that after he went missing, files concerning that deposition were missing as well. After investigating the case for 11 months, the Amarillo Special Crimes Unit is like, we're done. There's no more. There was no evidence of foul play. And because of those two plane tickets under the name David Lewis, they just were like, maybe that's it. And they declare that he's missing voluntarily. Case closed. That was every he put everything money- until like 2000. Yes. Or even after that, I feel like until like mm -hmm. even now, 2012, 2015, maybe there were sightings. Right. So February 1st, a sheriff's deputy saw a man resembling David Lee or outside that courthouse building. And David or the man was taking photos of a Red Explorer, which was the vehicle that David rode. So he was taking so he had to bring a camera with him. Like, mm-hmm. you know, but this might not have been David. This is okay. just a guy who a generic like white him. man. Yes. Yes. Later that same day, a cab driver said he drove someone resembling David from a hotel to the Dallas Fort Worth airport. He said the man seemed very nervous and paid in cash. And this guy had a like wad of hundred dollar bills with him. Dang. 
So 11 years go by, no leads, no one ever sees David. And somewhere in the universe, Seattle. So 2003, Seattle Post Intelligencer, fun name. Wait, um, is it, wait, what? The Seattle Post Intelligencer. Oh, it's a, it's like oh. a newspaper. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I thought that was somebody's name. <clears throat> Yeah, I'm that's the name. Or like a job, intelligence. Yeah, I'm the post in de- intelligence. Yeah, I'm in charge of all the intelligencing in this quadrant. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So it after the it fact, did post. an investigative series called Without a Trace. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm familiar before the show came out, yep. and it was documenting shortcomings in the way police handled adult missing person cases in and outside of the state, and this article inspires this guy and so washington state police detective patrick dutter reads the article and he's like i wonder if we have some jane john does that are in like the national crime information center but because they're does we've never looked them up before like why would we go back and look it up so he's like i'm gonna start going and filtering through and it's like wow Thank you mm-hmm. for doing for doing your job. Your, yeah, seriously. Thank you. So he's Googling. He's like going all in it. It's 2003. Woo, Internet. And within a week. I can hear he, the dial up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He develops this pos- possible this list of possible victims that could be identified with these does. Right. And one of them is David Lewis. And the only thing that Detective Dutter was like, I don't know, looking at his picture compared to this doe, he's not wearing glasses. And Dave Lewis was really, he had terrible eyesight. So he always had to wear glasses. And Dutter does more digging and gets into the evidence list and and sees that there was a pair of glasses in this doe's pocket. And so he's like, oh, my God. God, he calls up the Amarillo Police Department and he's like, we have a tissue sample from the victim and we have his shoes and take it, compare DNA, let me know what you think. And they do. And they're like, oh, my God, it's a match. This is David Lewis. That's so insane. What happened to David Lewis and why is he dead in Seattle 11 years ago in 1993? Um, okay. Building He's, a mystery. Yeah. He was hit and killed in a, he was killed in a hit and run accident. Wow. You answered the question yeah. very quickly. Sorry. <laughs> well, there's more. Well, yeah. Why would okay? he be there? So no. like hit and run on a two lane highway close to Moxie, Washington, which is about 10 miles from the Yakima airport. He's killed at 1024 on February 1st. The day he was reported missing by his wife. Oh, dang. So David had traveled over 1,600 miles in about twenty a 29-hour time span based off of the recording starting mm-hmm. at yeah. the Super Bowl. Sorry. Yes. Yep. Go. Continue. So even if, if you drove, it would be almost a full day yeah. nonstop. Yeah. If you took a plane, it would also take a, a minimum, like, 10 hours Mm -hmm. because there are no direct flights to that part of Washington. So he would add a changeover. God knows what it was like back then. 
with the flights, as we know. So it was reported that David was walking down the center lane of the road in pitch dark. There are conserved drivers that noticed him. One of them even turns around to, like, start trying to block people. Like, holy shit. But even before he gets the chance to do that, he's hit by a car and dies on this road. Mm. Reported that a Chevy Camaro was seen leaving the scene, but they don't know if that was... Human body death. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They don't know if that was the car that hit him. There was no drugs or alcohol in David's system. On the night he was found, he was wearing worn military fatigue... Mm. fatigues work boots and clothing that his wife was like this is not david's clothing Mm. it was also reported that when he was hit he was not wearing his glasses they were in his pocket uh, even though he needed glasses badly to see how do they know that happened when he was hit and not somebody getting out afterwards and putting them in there I mean, it could. Oh, yeah. I don't know. It seems like a weird thing to do, mm-hmm. just to take the glasses off their They're face like, of the ground and be like, just going to put this in your pocket for later. <laughs> he can't so see without his glasses. The family has no ties to the Yakima area. The trip would have taken, like I said, about 23 hours by car, 10-ish by plane, which is a very, very far stretch in such a short amount of time. The family was like, well, was he kidnapped? He thought his life was in danger. We don't know what the fuck happened. And they don't. Like, there was no bodily harm to him other than being hit by a car. car. (laughs) Like I said, no drugs, no alcohol in his system. People don't know what happened. Theories were, was he kidnapped? But if he was kidnapped and their intention was to murder him, why was it like a hit and run? Like put him out. E- sure. I mean, maybe he. I was... made a face that would imply maybe, and maybe reacted to that. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Sorry. So <laughs> Sorry. there were no, medium. there were no signs of struggle at his house or in his car. There were never any sightings of him with people who were like trying to take him away do you think he made the two sandwiches for his wife and daughter maybe i i he might have um he started making a face like she hates that idea Haley, Haley just is a two sandwich kind of girl yeah i'm like why would why would they share (laughs) maybe he made them for himself and he forgot to put them in the little ziploc bags maybe he made one for every day that they were gone in advance is this like well they said they were fresh too how do you how do you know that though that's a good question how fresh is the turkey the bread is what's going to tell you the turkey's still cold the bread's not it's in they said they were in the the bread's not got any like moisture on the inside of it Mm -hmm. the laundry like what if you have mayonnaise on on it yeah but that's going to be the inside of it it's (sighs) on the top it's going to permeate it's going to be that like nasty in the middle but like crunchy on the so They're also like, well, uh, what if he thought he was being threatened and he thought that they were going to come after his family, so he just bolted. Moved himself. Right. The the thing that stands out to me is the $5,000 that he put into a joint account. Where yeah. did that, what bank account did that come from? I don't know. And $5,000 in 2003 it may is have, what? 
1993. It also, because he had all that cash, yeah. so he may have just put cash in. Right. He wouldn't know what account. Yeah. It could have also just been a regular deposit. Well, I think that probably would have said that. Maybe. Maybe not. Haley? Like, this is our bills account. <clears throat> Second scenario Auto for draft. David's disappearance is that he was possibly not so stable. He told his wife that he was in danger, whether that was true in reality or if he thought in his brain, mm, I'm mm-hmm. in danger. And he, yeah, want decided to flee. Last theory is that Yes, he was in a dissociative fugue state, which I feel like is every disappearance we have. That is what people think it is. Mm -hmm. Symptoms of a dissociative fugue state are sudden and unplanned travel away from home, inability to recall past events or important information from a person's life, confusion, loss of memory about your identity. I feel like we've talked about it a lot, but... It happens. Maybe he thought something was going on and he left and then got disoriented and just ended up in Yakima, Washington, and was wandering in the middle of the road and got hit by a car. There's worse places to end up. Yeah. Go yeah. Missing. I had a friend end up in uh, Fort Smith, Arkansas. Interesting. Oh. Everyone always said David was like a really good dude. He helped out others and he... Yeah, it was sad when he disappeared, but after they finally identified his body, they sent him home to Texas for a proper burial. But nobody knows what actually what happened. What fatigues? Because they all have names on them. Eh, you can I don't get know. you from an army surplus yeah. store or anything like you right. can take that. Those are Velcro a lot of the yeah. times. The names that depending on what era of army. It's yeah. true. Yeah. So. David, I wonder what the so that daughter she was nine and nine. She was one year older than me, and now I'm wondering like, did we go to this? Were we at the same elementary? Her name was Lauren. I uh, was the guy's last name. Lauren. I already, I already went to some friends from the Panhandles, uh, Facebooks (laughs) to see if they know Lauren Lewis. I'm sure she has a different name now. Yep. Right. Do you have your old um? Yearbooks or anything like that? I do. Yeah. I have one at home. I'm going to go look. Hell yeah. Shit. You have to report back. Oh, shit. I don't know if it's worse with the total mystery of not even knowing where, what would happen or if it's worth knowing part of the mystery, like as a family member. I think knowing part of it would drive me crazy. Yeah. Like, I would be like, there are clues. Up until now, there was nothing, and now there are leads yeah. and like how are we gonna fucking figure this out yeah if we found his body or identified his body t- what 10 years later then why can't more clues yeah. pop up 10 years from it's now like, yeah what's worse finding a severed foot or a full dead body mm. it's the foot mm. for me because mm. where's the body i feel like the closure would have outweighed the new questions as far know. as like I, what am i satisfied yeah with? i think Closure would be great, and you would get that, but I would, yeah, I would be on the hunt Oh yeah, for a while. Lauren, if you're out there. Fuck yeah. Let us know. Sorry that you went through that. That sounds really yeah, hard. Yeah, awful. Okay. I also have a mystery. Mm. Mystery. Okay. On February 19th, 1994, Gloria Ramirez was rushed to the General Hospital in Riverside, California. 
Um, the wife of mother two was very short of breath and was found to have rapid and irregular heartbeat and severely low blood pressure. The medical staff tried to talk with her to get more information about what was going on, but Gloria could barely speak in coherent sentences. What they could ascertain was about six weeks before six weeks before Ramirez was diagnosed with stage four cervical cancer and had recently began chemotherapy. At first, it was it seemed she was suffering from renal failure due to her poor health related to cancer diagnosis. Uh, she, since her blood pressure was so high, the medical staff decided that they need to try to sedate her to bring her down um, so they could then attempt to regulate her actual heartbeat. So they gave her some benzos, diazepam, lorazepam, a couple of other things, hopefully so they could get um, her heart rate down. When this didn't do enough to alleviate the situation, the staff decided to try a defibrillator, which I always thought a defibrillator was to like to start your heart, but you can also use it to like reset it. So Mm -hmm. if it's doing so, yeah, because I was like, why would you want to like, like sedate someone just to shock them? It seems kind of counterintuitive, but then I looked at it, I was like, oh, okay, I guess that makes sense. This is why I'm also not a medical doctor. To use the defibrillator, they cut her shirt off to expose her skin and then that's when they noticed that Ramirez was like strangely oily and greasy and they're like okay that's weird and it was also noticed at the same time um, that she had a fruity garlic like odor that was coming out of her mouth and they're like what um okay that's weird anyways because this was like a 31 year old mother of two right housewife you know the nurses then attempted to take a blood sample one nurse her name is Susan noticed that her blood smelled strange which wasn't unheard of because when you have chemotherapy your blood does Mm -hmm. start to smell putrid unfortunately because of the chemicals that are running through your body but she smelled it and then she had another nurse smell it and it smelled chemically and like ammonia which was very strange so susan smells the syringe and is like oh that's weird and passes it to another (laughs) another um, nurse named julie who also smells it Moments later, Susan faints and was taken out of the room on the gurney. And then shortly after that, Julie starts feeling faint, goes to sit at the nurse's station to kind of collect herself. And then she also passes out. What the hell? Yeah. What's the matter with that blood? Mm. So then another person who was the respiratory specialist, obviously she was having problems breathing. So they had a respiratory specialist. Her name was Maureen. I'm doing first names because all of their last names are, I can't. Generic. Not even generic. Some of them. Oh. So I, I like their first names better. So we got Susan, Julie, Maureen. So Maureen was just in the room and she passes out as well. This is like when I clean the bathroom in a dumb way. Yeah. Like you accidentally make mustard <laughs> yeah. gas. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, that. This is what that sounds like where it's like I'm having trouble breathing and I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. I should open a window. And ammonia. Yeah. So Maureen, when she comes to, she can't control her limbs. Huh. Like at all. <laughs> yeah. So She's like flailing, terrifying. Like, so like not one report, them. one report says that she couldn't use her limbs, and another one very specifically said that it wasn't that she was paralyzed; is that she could not control her limbs. So she's just punching. She, I think more she's trying to walk, and it's like very it's unstable. Working. Yeah, mm-hmm. like when your foot's asleep, but it's every limb. Okay. I mean, you just smelled some weird Mrs. blood. This is Ramirez. Yeah. So after that, the doctors ordered everyone, except for the few folks working on Gloria, to evacuate the entire of ER. Because the, they were fearful that the patient was noxious, um, and that could affect the entire wing if they didn't do anything about it. So they take 
all of the patients in the ER out into the parking lot. Besides <laughs> the blood smelling weird, the um, resident, the doctor on site, um, his name was Humberto. Oh, oh, I can't say his last name. He noticed that there was manila colored particles floating in her blood. And he's like, well, this, this blood is not what? good so far. You got weird blood. Stinky, stinky blood. Oily. Stinky, chunky blood. Garlicky bod. Yeah. Vampire. I know. Mm, well, vampire, opposite. Um, Unless she ate. Reverse vampire. Yeah. Unless she like ate. unknowingly ate garlic and yeah. fucked up her blood mm. and made her all oily. Yeah. Like Is that- the twins in those twin boys in Interview with a Vampire. No, mm. she Lawn killed them. them. Yeah. But he didn't know. Yeah, but he, he drank, drank dead, dead blood. blood. But it didn't have anything to do with garlic. But what if it does? Okay. This doesn't. Okay. Legally. Okay. <laughs> Officially. Oh, I'm out. Okay. So Ramirez is, um, they're on the stretcher and they're in the ER. They bring in a secondary trauma team um, who all like donned hazmat PPE and went into work. I'm imagining like the Avengers. <laughs> Where the trauma team. Mm-hmm. Kind of. I mean, they are actual yeah. heroes, right? So they went, they started to attempt to, you know, revive Ramirez. But 45 min- minutes after Gloria had been admitted to the Riverside ER, she was pronounced dead a little bit before 9 p.m. Sorry, this is Riverside, California? Yes. Okay. My husband is from very close to there. Mm. Shout out Redlands. Have I've you been smelled there once. Blood? It was fine. I mean, most... Almost every night. Okay. Um, but it, it, he doesn't let me get too close to him. Right, yeah. Which is fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gotta cut him from a distance. I mean, it's kind of, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they don't. Blood. It just, Amazon started getting suspicious when I started ordering all those blow darts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So out in the parking lot, the hospital staff were treating patients and their other ill um, <laughs> counterparts, right? Yeah. The secondhand ills. Yeah. Everyone who is in the. Um, ER that working had to like strip to their underwear and have like medical shower because they still weren't didn't know what was going on their clothes were bundled in a plastic bag and taken away burned yeah so Julie Julie one of the nurses who fainted she was continuing to experience tremors and apnea so you can have waking apnea it's just a condition of not being able to breathe basically um Susan also was having problems with her arms and legs. And when she'd first inhaled the ammonia smelling blood, she said that it like burned because when you smell ammonia, it burns, but she continually had that burning sensation in her like ear, her nose and throat. And then Sally, who was the one who went out to the nurse's station, had to be taken to an isolation room because she began retching and also started having a burning sensation on her skin. So everyone's having kind of similar but different mm-hmm. reactions to this. They all sound like chemical reactions. Yeah. yeah. So at the end of the night, it was found that 23 of the 37 emergency room staff men- members experienced at least one symptom. Five of them ended up being hospitalized for at least the rest of the night. Oh, my um, God. Sally endured bouts of apnea during her 10-day hospital stay. She was in the hospital for 10 days. Julie ended up being the most severely ill. She spent two weeks in intensive care where she also suffered from apnea, also defined, which could be separate or not, um, hepatitis, pancreatitis, and avascular necrosis. Avascular oh necrosis Shit. is when your your bone tissue gets starved from blood and it basically your bones mm-hmm. start to rot oh from the inside. God. Yeah, it, it, That 
was isolated in her knees and so she was or one of her knees and so she was restricted to crutches for several months after the fact and she was the second sniff right yes if i'm recalling correctly the second the second sniff right next to it it was susan saying this smells weird smell this yeah more reason don't smell it in a I'm general way. I'm always gonna fucking. I'm gonna smell, smell it, it too. I know. I will say that it's. I think it might sound weird for somebody to smell blood, but when you're a doctor, you use kind of all of oh, your yeah. senses. I'm you sure they not do taste. that all the time. Yeah. Lick it, this blood. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. So obviously, <laughs> after this, the hospital began an investigation to figure out what the fuck happened. Um, they put what if they didn't what if they were like that's normal that was weird anyway End women just day. you know anyway so they put Gloria's body in a like a multi-layered shrouds seal it in an aluminum casket and then place it in an isolated section of the cold morgue when did she die this was 1994 february 19th in the timeline of like people being was it that day 45 minutes yeah okay. from getting into hospital to being dead Got it so quick, right? They then activated a specially trained hazmat team to comb through the ER for traces of whatever substance may, might have been released to cause all this havoc. And they took samples from her blood, her body, the air in the body bag after the fact. They collected everything they could, ran all kinds of tests. Um, they found chemo drugs, some over-the-counter nausea medication, and similarly commercially available drugs. Mm-hmm. But nothing outstanding or crazy or weird they concluded that there was no poisonous gas or other environmental causes for gloria to for this reaction to happen or the subsequent reactions of the staff after the fact so during the end so they then went from looking at the physical space to doing interviews with everybody on site so during those interviews they found some commonalities about the people who had suffered symptoms at night versus who didn't there wasn't a whole lot of correlation but they what they did find was that People who were affected were most likely to be within two, worked within two feet of Gloria. Okay. And they had handled her intravenous lines. Those were the most high risk. I don't like the way that's <laughs> They also found that people who had skipped dinner were more likely to have been affected. Like that, that full stomach versus yeah. not. Yeah. And lastly, they also found that the afflicted tended to be women rather than men. So um, the conclusion was the hospital workers suffered um, from mass hysteria. No. (laughs) Are you kidding? Five people imagined so hard that they hospitalized themselves (laughs) into intensive care units. For real? Yeah. Oh, my God. That makes me so fucking mad. Okay. So. Oh, no. This was then reported (laughs) to the coroner. The coroner, coroner, you know, has a lot of legal responsibility in Mm -hmm. all of this. So he's... When this story came out immediately, it wasn't, you know, sometimes you hear these kind of like creepy tales and it comes out after the fact. No, there immediately when they saw a bunch of people from the hospital being carted out into the parking lot that got the media on this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. uh, Did the family members suffer anything? Is that part of this? So there's not a lot about the family. Like my kind of question is like the husband brought her in. Well, if it was female hysteria, <laughs> she 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 thought herself into death. It just mm-hmm. we just she go did. crazy, right? I thought the oil on my body. Exactly. So I don't have anything on that. Nothing okay. I read had anything, but probably not because, because nothing was reported yeah. on it. So the reporter, the coroner, gets this report from the from the investigators and was like, <laughs> what? Like 23 trained medical professionals who deal with some of the most horrific shit you could ever imagine in your life on a daily basis 
basis thought them scared themselves into 10 days in the fucking hospital. hospital. Like really? So corner was like, no, um, no, probably not. I'm going to call in some experts basically. And he called in some folks from the forensic science center at the Livermore National Laboratories, which is in, near San Francisco. The coroner hands all the biological samples over from Ramirez's autopsies, as well as the air trapping containers and all of that kind of stuff, everything he has to the Livermore team. And the Livermore team initially runs very similar tests to what the Riverside team ran, but they actually found some stuff. <laughs> First, they found traces of, and it's going to get into chemistry. I got a C minus in chemistry. So my pronunciation on this is going to be probably pretty I bad. Remember. I got a C yeah. in remedial. I mean, yeah, I'm sure it was a C. That's how one of, me and one of my high school boyfriends got together because we were the two stupidest kids in our <laughs> chemistry class and nobody wanted to be but partners with us. the chemistry between each other oh, was no. the real passing Was moderate test. until we broke up. <coughs> okay. But it was C plus, C not plus. C minus. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so first they found traces of uh, dimethyl sulfoxide, or DMSO. I'm just going to call it DMSO, in Ramirez's system. It wasn't a lot, but traces, and it was that that kind of set off an alarm for them. So uh, DMSO on its own is stable and harmless. It's an organic degreasing agent used in automotive cleaning. It's also commonly ingested and topically applied painkiller used by cancer patients. Got it. Okay. Granted, it is how effective it is is kind of up for debate. Um, it kind of has like a cult-like following for cancer patients, so probably not like harmful, but because it is organic, you know, not that organic things are innately harmful, but not harmful, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. They did put the DMSO trying to get like a patent on it, but the FDA wouldn't approve it because prolonged use can make you go blind. Not great. Is so it a greasy, is it like yeah. an oil material? Got so it. So it, it would explain, explain her, greasiness. her greasiness, her greasy oiliness. It would also explain the fruity garlic odor. Mm. If you ingest it, um, that could, would be an explanation for why she was greasy and garlicky. Mm-hmm. So, after collecting this information, the Livermore team had a theory. So their theory was Gloria Ramirez had been self-medicating with DSMO. When she went into distress at home, the paramedics placed her in an ambulance and immediately applied oxygen. Ramirez received more oxygen in the ER, which started a chemical reaction with the DMSO and O already in her system. This would add an atom of oxygen to DSMO, which would change it into dimethyl sulfone, which is also harmless. That's DMSF. Harmless, commonly found in plants and marketed as a dietary supplement. That's fine. We're good. But when DMSO gets four additional oxygen atoms, it can kind of go sideways. That is called dimethyl sulfate, and it emits a terribly toxic, like, off-gassing. Mm -hmm. This was the mystery... So they th the Livermore, th this is what they thought was kind of the answer to the mystery. So basically the amplified, I'm reading directly from them because again, it's all um, chemistry. The amplified oxygenation turned the self-medicating dimethyl sulfoxide Glory was taking into dimethyl sulfone, which morphed into the noxious emission encouraged by the electrical shocks they administered. So, you know, heat during the emergency defibrillation would potentially have converted the DMSO 
to dimethyl sulfate. Okay. <laughs> cool. This would also explain the crystals in her blood. Okay. So this is what they think. So that's the mystery of the toxic woman, Gloria Ramirez. I mean, I believe it. Except yeah. <laughs> um, a few things. DSMO is present in a lot of processed foods. It's not surprising that that trace amount would show up in someone's toxicology report. It'd probably show up in yours, which is why the initial investigators at Riverside discounted it because it's right. nothing like Everyone's outrageous. Everyone's it. Yeah, especially in a small amount like that. The family also said that Gloria had never used DMS, DSMO. Okay. Ever. There you go. Um, either, neither the type that you would rub on your skin or pain relief or like ingest yes. ever. And two other scientists said that it would be, or several other scientists said it would be chemically impossible for hospital administered oxygen to set off that reaction. Like it's just, it, it's not possible. Two different systems. I guess they didn't. It's just that statement alone. Right. They didn't get into the science. If they did get into the science of it, I wouldn't been, I wouldn't be able to translate it particularly well. The other thing is that DSMO explanation does not explain the ammonia smell at all. No, mm-hmm. None of those chemical components would make sense for the ammonia. Um, and it definitely wouldn't explain the effect that it had on 23 other people it wouldn't it doesn't explain how it could potentially explain how she would be her sickness but it wouldn't explain the noxiousness right. of her body and her blood and that how how wide range how many people that hit right mm-hmm. so um there was one drug that could off gas ammonia like fumes enough to immediately affect 23 people sharing that space with a noxious person and impact the blood the way that it was um Mm-hmm. It's shown and that is methylamine methylamine isn't rare it's a product it's produced in huge quantities as cleaning agents often shipped in pe- pressurized railroad cars uh, cars and it's tightly controlled by the government because methylene is used for cooking meth mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and riverside county at the time was one of the largest <laughs> methamphetamine manufacturing and distri- distribution points in america okay yeah and hospitals get large quantities of this because they use it as a cleaning agent a new, more bizarre, more salacious theory was proposed. Riverside hospital workers had been smuggling out methylene to sell to meth cookers in IV bags. What? Okay. It's a theory. The theory is um, they would, you know, take saline out of IV bags, fill it up with methylene. It, an IV bag's really good for that because methylene is clear. Mm-hmm. Um, IV bags um, are safe to handle. They're inconspicuous and they're sealed. They're medically sealed really well. The theory on this, and again, it's a theory. The story theorized that an IV bag was bag loaded with about to be smuggled methylene accidentally got hooked up to Gloria's arm. Mm-hmm. So she would have come in in regular renal failure as they kind of expected. And then uh. once they started pumping her with all these kinds of fluids and drugs and that kind of stuff, that's in her heart. Yep. Because methamine turns into gas so quickly when exposed to oxygen, that's why it would spread so quickly to other people because it would just be coming out of her basically. And it, when it comes to like toxicology testing, it's half-life is like really quick. Like they wouldn't find it in the air. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't find it anything like that in her blood, nothing, but it could absolutely make its way into the lungs of 23 people and take them out pretty quickly. Um, And the symptoms that were purported, line up but at the same time like when you look at those symptoms there was vomiting uh loss of limb control breathe like a bunch mm-hmm. of things that could be almost anything right however there was absolutely no evidence of this um nothing even remotely close to showing the hospital was running a meth making business was right. ever entertained which means it wasn't 
investigated, but mm-hmm. there there's no corroborating evidence. No one ever came forward to say that that was happening. It was just like, this could be a thing, right? Huh. At this point, so they at a press conference on April 29th, so this would have been a couple of months after Gloria's death, the coroner announced that Ramirez had died of cardiac dysrhythmia triggered by kidney failure stemming from her cervical cancer. Okay. That was her official cause of death. The investigation into her death, he said, was finished. As for the illness and the hospital workers and how that might be linked to Ramirez, they concluded after exhaustive toxicological studies, they have not identified any external toxic substances that would have contributed to her death or the effects of the pandemonium that it caused in the hospital that day. Though the DSMO theory is generally accepted by many scientists, it seems to be the one that has the most traction and kind of follows the most logical thought. No definitive conclusion has ever been made about the panic caused by the toxic lady, Gloria Ramirez, that, that night in Riverside, California in 1994. What the fuck? Yep. What? So are people just living their lives still being like, women? <laughs> well, so they threw out the, the... I will say this, credit to the coroner being like, is there a I know, right? He's really? like, what year is it? I don't think that there are parts of that that's probably true, right? Where if you're in the situation and you see people dropping around you, you have they're like, oh, I think my head hurts too. And that's oh, a, yeah. a symptom. Doesn't mean that you were actually affected by it. So, but five people, one person having to be yeah, hospitalized had, for 10 days and then on crutches yeah, and from necrosis yeah. for 10 months. Yeah. yeah. Like, no, dude. Mm-hmm. Thank you, coroner. Mm-hmm. Yep. But, and I feel like we never say thank you to the coroners. It's always I feel the like weird the, I, ones. I don't know. I think it's 50 50. I think sometimes they catch well, like bad police. You don't have or to be a doctor see. to be a coroner. No, you, no, don't. you don't. Um, Do you have to be, no, is that a mortician or mm, a coroner? I thought in some places, oh, like county coroner is like a a voted, voted yeah. in. Yeah. So I don't know. But that's wild. And her family never really, like, accepted the kind of conclusions anyways. I mean, how can you? Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't, yeah. Especially because it's the, well, she was using DSMO and they're like, no, she wasn't. Right. Yeah. I know every type of lotion you use. Yes. Yeah. You brought them all out here earlier today. I will show Mm -hmm. you my lotion. Yeah, for sure. Mm Mm-hmm. That's, I, I don't understand how it's not methylamine. I mean, it's you would think that if it was, they probably like ran tests on the people who s- were affected by it, and they probably would have picked up on something. But the like half life well, is, half like is is like sure, but like very quick. what is what is very quick? Like, is it a matter of hours or? Because I assume if they thought this was some type of like outbreak that they were going to need to quarantine, I bet you they were running tests on people pretty fucking quickly. Potentially. Hold on. At least, especially the people who like immediately have to, had to be hospitalized. Right. Well, I yeah. mean, but think about Coke. Like Coke okay. is in your system for a couple days. Mm-hmm. Like it goes away quickly, way quicker than you know weed mm-hmm. but like it, coke 18 is hours 18 hours so i yeah would think that's they pretty quick i mean though. that is quick but i would think they would have tested 
but at would least they the have alive it in their, people. Would they have it in their system? If Methyl, it was more inhaled, whatever. Well, Probably. also, if if you if that's what affected you, if it's a cover up, but the idea that it was mass hysteria, that's insane. Yeah, that that the person who said it's hysteria is the hysterical one. Yeah, and I'm mad. Well, they're the one running the meth ring. That's oh, what that is. You know yeah. what? That's probably true. Y'all are just crazy. That should be like that's. I would. I wonder if there's like a documentary out there or something. I would love to see that. So because it was like a media circus, there are. Um, there's at least one interview with the nurse that was like immediately hospitalized, mm-hmm. and she talks about it a little bit. But obviously, you don't get into any of the theories because it was right after right. it happened. It did take four years for them to get, kind of. Because they kept doing, re- I didn't go over all of it. They kept doing research on everything. Sure. They had a couple of their theories that were similar to like, it's all chemistry, right? Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. just trying to figure that out. But it wasn't the mystery of the DSMO and all that stuff was pretty much what they would consider solved like four years later because they kept testing and kept looking into it. So, it's, it's like an episode of Doctor House or whatever. Yeah. But where's the fucking? It's lupus. Solution. It's always it's lupus. It's always lupus. lupus. Uh, man, that's wild. Yeah. Poor Gloria. Poor Gloria. She like she looked like a, she was apparently, you know, they have the talking heads that kind of talk about she's nice and everyone loved her and she's a great right. mom. Weird. Yeah. That's so weird. Because I feel like I had heard that story before. At, like as like two minute little that. things I have. And I was like, I didn't realize how asked me when you texted me and asked if we had done gloria this toxic woman i was like why is she toxic yeah God. but you meant she talks chemically shit about her back. she mm-hmm. is she her body is toxic yeah. just the how do you britney spears wrote a song about her oh my god that's exactly where it mm. came from because you know that you're toxic the yeah. taste of your lips that whole thing garlic garlicky yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh uh, yes well good job everybody i feel like everyone had good fun stories this week do we not all all have good stories we do, but every sometimes week? it's harder to i don't know these kind of fit together too yeah, a little bit all other. a little mystery yeah. like what happened i i i like this all of them were really weird weird Ooh. stories well um yeah like us follow us I guess on TikTok and um, exclusively, exclusively on TikTok are, for Lisa's TikTok, TikTok that she's totally yeah. gonna do. Yeah, um, I'm gonna do it so hard. You are, and uh, rate us, please. That's the best way um, for us to make us feel better. Yeah, mm-hmm. to make us feel better. Yeah, would be nice. And that's it. Goodbye. Perfect. Mm-hmm.